This is the Love Your Team podcast, where we discuss strategies for sales managers to retain top talent and build high-performing teams. I'm your host, Helen Finucci. I have been leading and managing teams for over 25 years. Thank you for tuning in. In this podcast, we're going to talk about fear and harnessing the power of fear to work for you. Joining me today is Tracy Corzin. Tracy is the general manager of strategic account sales, Northeast region at Microsoft. She leads a team of 50 plus sellers selling to Microsoft's biggest customers. And those customers, many of them are also some of Microsoft's most strategic partners. Tracy's sales career spans 25 years working in high tech across multiple industries, including commercial and public sector, professional services, and private equity. Tracy earned a bachelor's degree in psychology from the University of Oregon and an MBA from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you, Helen. I'm so glad to be here, especially with a beaver as well. Yeah. Well, do you have a brass rat? I do, of course. And which way do you have it turned? Yes. Yes, indeed. It's pretty interesting that that's the nickname for the ring. Anyway, it's so great to have you here. I know we've been talking back and forth and trying to get you on the podcast. I'm so glad we were able to schedule it today. So let's jump in. So tell us a little bit about your current role at Microsoft. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. I currently lead the Northeast strategic account team. It's a combination of sellers and technologists surrounding our most strategic customers. And as you mentioned in the intro, some of whom are also our most strategic partners. Great. When we spoke last week, you talked about how your relationship with fear has changed. Can you say a bit more about that? Absolutely. Earlier in my career, I used to let fear drive decisions that I would make, and I was almost apologetic about it. Oh, I don't think I can do this, or thank you for the invitation, Helen, but I'm not able to be on your podcast. I'm so sorry. Now, over the course of several years and many fearful engagements, I've learned to, what I like to say is keep fear in my sidecar. I've learned to value that energy, that emotion, that adrenaline that is fear. And I actually look forward to it. Those butterflies that you get in your stomach, it's almost now a guiding principle for me. If I get those butterflies and I start to rumble with fear, I know I'm moving in the right direction. Wow. Gosh, I have to say, I don't welcome fear, but I can see that when I'm fearful, it probably means I'm stepping outside my comfort zone and it's probably a new opportunity that is worthy of me considering. I would agree. I think the areas where I've grown the most, both personally and professionally, have been the opportunities that I might have initially said no to in past years. And now I live by a credo of say yes more than no. And embracing that emotion, embracing those butterflies, and doing something that I don't think that I can or could not have done before 
has really propelled me in a way that I don't think I would have been able to had I not had this ability to rumble or put fear in my sidecar. Was there a particular moment when you realized that you were handling fear differently and you noticed that, hey, you're getting through it or past it or leveraging fear in some capacity? Yeah, it was almost a turning point for me. And one of those sliding door moments where you have the opportunity to go one way or another, left or right. And you know intrinsically that the outcome is going to be very different depending on which way or which door you choose. For me, that was a past role that I'd had. And I was working in not the most positive of environments. And I was presenting a thesis statement, business plan of sorts. And I felt confident in the business plan and I was proud of the research I'd done and my team had done and I was excited about presenting it. I was actually looking forward to presenting it. And this was a new opportunity for me. So I didn't quite know the players yet and I hadn't really grown accustomed to the social norms yet. And as I presented what I felt like was a fairly strong business plan, the reception that I got from the folks that I was presenting it to was dismal. And it was personal. It was a personal attack on my business plan, um, which then broke down into my abilities as a leader. And it was very raw and quite an emotional moment for me. And I left feeling almost broken. And I remember walking to my car and thinking, How do I go back to the office? How do I tell my team what just happened? They're all waiting for a response. They're excited about this opportunity. Me as their leader, they trusted me to present this. And I felt like I had failed them and like I had failed myself. And worse, I felt demoralized as a person. And I remember sitting there thinking I could go home or I can go back into the office And I was afraid. I was afraid to go back into the office. And I had this moment of clarity where I thought, what is the worst that can happen? The worst for me had already happened. Somebody had told me that I wasn't smart enough, that my paper wasn't strong enough, that I wasn't rational in my thinking. To me, that was the worst. And nothing else could be said. Nothing else could feel worse than that moment. And there I was. I was still okay. I was sitting in my car. I still had the same half finished soda that I had drank before I went into the meeting. I was the same person. And with that feeling, I could almost feel it rise up in me. I got back out of my car. I threw my bag on my shoulder and I walked into that team and I said, you know, didn't go the best, but Hey, we can put the blocks back together and we can build a new presentation. And here's how we're going to go. And we rebuilt that presentation and there was some feedback that I took from that meeting and I changed it from a personal affront to almost an emotional charge. And at that point, I took the fear of going back in the office, of rebuilding that presentation, of facing my team, of facing the people that I had just presented to again, two weeks later, I took that fear, I put it in a nice package And I pictured myself on a Harley Davidson motorcycle with a sidecar. And I put that fear package in my sidecar and I let it tag along with me as we went into the presentation again with a rebuilt scenario. And we were able to get some of it, not all of it, but some of it across the line. And that was that moment. 
Wow. What an amazing story. You're talking about such human emotions that can paralyze people, particularly one of the things that struck me is you felt personally attacked. I mean, it's one thing to say, this isn't really a great presentation or whatever, but the the personal attack, that's hard to get beyond. So kudos to you. That's quite a story. Thank you. It was tough. And I think all of us have been in positions before where our ideas maybe weren't the best and weren't valued and weren't brought forward. Okay. But you're right. It was the feeling of an emotional and personal affront to my intelligence, my, almost my integrity, my trustworthiness. All of those came into play and the feedback that I got, which was emotional. And in hindsight, it was a turning point for me and has propelled me forward in my career, who I am as a leader, who I am as a friend, who I am as a wife, who I am as a parent. So I look back on that moment now, not with joy, (laughs) certainly not with joy, (laughs) but definitely with some respect. Wow, that's great. So how do you spot fear now? You talked about kind of butterflies in your stomach. Is it kind of a body sensation or how do you spot fear? I'm a super emotional person. So I'm one of those touchy feely kind of people. So for me, it is physical. I can definitely feel it. I can feel my skin get a little pringly, the hair in my arms kind of raises up a little bit, a little bit of a tummy ache. As I tell my kids I have a tummy ache right now, you know, mom's a little bit nervous. That's how I spot it. I think everybody reacts to it a little bit differently, but for me, certainly physical. Mm -hmm. Did you tell your team at the time that you were afraid or did they know, or what was the reaction of your team? Or did you just say, Hey, we got this, we're going to do it and move forward. Did you share your internal situation, I guess, your feelings at the time? So I didn't come right out and say, Hey, I was totally massacred in there. I, they did see, (laughs) they did see it on my face though. So again, being an emotional person, I don't have the best poker face. So I came in and it was a team I'd worked with for a while. And we were at the whiteboard. We were scrumming this presentation for months. So they knew they were waiting for me to come back. So they saw on my face right away and we're lucky we're a close team. So they kind of picked me up and they were like, okay, what happened? And I said, well, it was not great. In fact, it was a little bit bloody. And initially I didn't share all, but slowly it came out and there was still some shame. Although it was cathartic for me, it wasn't transformational in the instant. Yeah. It was a little bit of a longer tale, but eventually, yeah, I let it eke out my emotions, how I felt and and what I was able to build from that. Mm. Such a great leadership moment and example, particularly with your team and how you picked yourself up and moved forward. So let's move forward where you talked about how this has really changed how you lead. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think about it now. And the story is, again, very raw and very personal to me. And I think many, many other people rumble with fear as well. And the way that it impacts one person over another is very personal. So I thought about how do I package this up? So as I talk to people on my team or people that I'm mentoring or coaching, or again, my kids, how do I package it up? So it makes sense to everybody. And so I think about it now in maybe three different steps. And 
how do I put fear in my sidecar and carry it along with me and still have it be a positive entity and positive impact for me? Really three ways. One is I've learned to get comfortable with fear. We talked about that earlier. I now feel a level of comfort and I almost use it as an energy. I move toward it versus away from it consciously, even though sometimes that's still scary to me, depending on what the new challenge is. I allow myself to feel it. I'm not a good blocker. I can't put something in a box and forget about it till later. I have to feel it and then I have to move through it. I intentionally breathe through it. So since I'm, again, a physical feely type of person, I breathe in and I breathe out. I have a little bit of a breathing exercise that I do when I'm really scared. Sometimes when I'll present before I go on stage, my body starts to shake a little bit and I'll have to do four or five really deep breaths and do some conscious deep breathing to slow my heart rate a little bit. So that is fear. I breathe into it. I feel it and I move through it. Then I try to remind myself, remember this moment because I will get through it. I lock it into my brain. I remember how I'm feeling. And then at the end, I remind myself how I felt when it started. And I position myself like I did with that soda that I was drinking before I went into that presentation. I remember how I felt before and how I feel after and remind myself that I got through. So that's sort of step one for me, get comfortable with fear. Step two, I dominate my thoughts with positivity. So instead of letting the fear dominate me, I know it's there. I acknowledge it. And then I visualize, I think through moments. I remember the times where that Diet Coke can, it was sitting there. That was how I felt. I came back to it and I was still a whole person. I was still human. I was still successful. And I had a new experience that I was able to learn from. So I fill my thoughts with positivity. I remember things that make me feel great inside, accomplishments that I've had. I remember things people have said to me because sometimes I'm my toughest critic. So oftentimes I'm hearing from my other supervisors, my colleagues, my peers, positive thoughts. I've written down some of the most important ones or the ones that really have stuck with me. So I use them as little mantras. So I always think through something from a positive lens first. Even though fear tries to eat in, I can push the positivity. That gives me a force to push back. And then the last thing I do is I plan to be great. So I think about forward-looking this year, next year, five years from now. What does that mean? How do I picture my life? What does it mean to me to be great? It can be in little increments. What does it mean after this experience? What does great look like? And I plan for that. What does it mean in my career in the next five years? And I plan for that. What does it mean in my emotional life with my children or my spouse? And I plan for that. So I plan to be great. It's concerted, it's thoughtful, and it's intentional. So really just three things. And I think those things are universal. So anybody can be comfortable with fear with a couple of steps. Anybody can think about more positive thoughts than negative thoughts. And anybody can plan to be great. Wow. I love that framework. It's clear. It's straightforward. So do you use that with your team? Do you use that when you're coaching your team? How does that show up with your team? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, just recently, one of the people on my team is going for a role and he's not quite sure he's ready for that role. And the interview process is quite steep. 
And I think he has a tremendous amount of skill sets that will make him incredibly valuable to that organization. And he's walking into, he's went through the first set of interviews and now the next ones are just up leveled a little bit. And he's, he's got to up his game and he's gotten some feedback and he's got to utilize that. So he's nervous. Everything wasn't perfect in the first round. So how do you get back up and go into that second round of interviews with the feedback that you've gotten and let fear energize you? So we talked through this exact framework uh, and it snapped in quite easily. So he and I are in the process of working through this right now. We'll have another session and then next week he's going to go in strong. I know it. Wow. That's great. Your team must love that coaching and because it does stop people in their tracks. Fear can just be paralyzing. So how has it influenced how you interact with your customers if it has? Yeah. So a couple of ways. One is I used to shy away from overt opportunities to present, to get on stage and to talk about what I'm passionate about, which is technology and its impact in businesses and people's lives. And even though I'm passionate about it, it would be nerve wracking. Why would they want to listen to me? What if I stumbled? Did I really have the credibility to go up there and say something that was important to this very important group of people that I was presenting to? So I have, again, used the same framework to say yes more than no, not let fear dominate my thoughts and plan for greatness. And with those presentations, now I take them and I use them as an opportunity to get better and know that my customers do want to learn more about what Microsoft is doing in technology. And I'm close to that and I owe it to them to be able to showcase and share with them what's on the horizon and how can we help support them as strategic customers in the Northeast. So I don't say no, I say yes, very planful about it. I embrace the opportunity and I'm looking forward to sharing all of the greatness that we have to support our customers. Yeah, that is great. Your story reminds me of a time when I was preparing to do a big presentation at Microsoft's partner conference and Microsoft had hired a presentation coach. And I learned so much. I decided I'm going to get better at being able to deliver keynote presentations. And so I learned a lot. I prepared, I practiced, I took him up on his offer to do on-site coaching the day before the presentation. And it went incredibly well. And one of my colleagues said to me, I didn't have any idea that you were such a good presenter. And he says, it's not like I didn't, I didn't really think about it, but that was really great. And so as you talk about getting through fear and the butterflies that come with presentation skills, I know for myself, I needed to have a framework or a competency about how to prepare, how to put together a presentation. And so now I have that in my toolkit. I still get butterflies, but I also know the importance for me anyway of practicing in advance if I'm going to do a big presentation. So the three getting comfortable, plan to be great, and then you know, it with positive thoughts. Yes, you did yes, it. all of that stuff. It was like that planning and preparation made all the difference in the world. That's awesome. Congrats. That would be exactly the talk track that I would have used for myself as well and have in, in really similar scenarios, Helen. Oh, that is fantastic. So any final thoughts? I would say if you are feeling 
that there is something outside of your reach, don't ever discount it because it might make you feel uncomfortable. Go for what you want. You are good enough. You have the ability. You are strong. And with a couple planful steps, you can make almost anything happen for yourself and subsequently your team. Wow, that is inspiring. And those are words to live by. That's great. Thank you for that. So a question that I ask all my guests, what is your superpower? (laughs) My superpower, I never would have said this before, but I honestly think it's, and I've probably said it 75 times if if we go back and listen to this, (laughs) I honestly believe it's how in touch I am with the emotional side of myself. I think I, you've probably heard about a super feeler. I do feel how people are feeling. And I identify that person that might not feel comfortable in the room. I can understand and empathize with people that are feeling that they might not be good enough. They may not be strong enough. And as I've grown as a leader and and a coach and a mentor, I do feel passionate about helping those folks find their voice and be as powerful as they possibly can be. So I'd say probably my emotional touchy side has given way to my superpower. That's amazing. That is such an important capability and skill to be able to really be in touch and understand and empathize with your team and others around you. I mean, that I can imagine that makes you people's best friend and confidant right away. <laughs> it certainly breaks down some barriers. And <laughs> we do have a lot of fun. So I love building teams. I love being parts of teams and I love achieving things through teams that were never thought possible. That's great. So as we wrap up this episode, my sincere thanks to you, Tracy. Thank really you, appreciate you being here. So a few things we learned. One of the key takeaways is the three steps, getting comfortable with fear and having a positive attitude and getting your mind in a spot where you can see the best. So positivity and then planning to be great. I love that framework. I love those three steps. That's such great advice. For sure. Almost anyone can do it. Anyone can do it. And you don't need a special location. You don't need a special time. You can sit back in your chair, in your car, on your way to the office, on your way home on the bus and think through the framework and plan to be great. Mm, Love that. Well, thank you for listening. And remember, be sure to subscribe to the Love Your Team podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you, Tracy. Thanks, Helen. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.